listening to Humanize Me with Bart Campbell. Okay, we're rolling. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to the show. Uh, we're back. My, as you can tell, my voice is back, which is a good thing. And we're back from Thanksgiving. And your energy is back. And John Wright is back. <laughs> and there you are, John. My energy is back. Yes, you sound good. And, you know, I had a tough week um, after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was fabulous for me and my family. We were all together in Los Angeles. And um, the week afterwards was horrible. We came back to Cincinnati and found out that our house that we were supposed to move into right after we got back wasn't ready. And there were all sorts of things wrong with it. And things weren't being delivered and electricians weren't coming to hook things up and it's a mess and it's still, we're still in that mess. But it was funny because in that same week I had all these conversations with people and I realized that for most people, the horror is Thanksgiving itself. <laughs> and then, and then the week afterwards is relief. And for me, Thanksgiving was cool, but then the, the, the week afterwards was, was horror. And I, I you know, so yeah, you get it one a, way or the other, I guess. One way or the other. Yeah, but I saw a picture of you guys on Patreon, all of your family, and it looked like a good crowd. It, it, it is. And, and you know, it's it's funny. I, I always feel weird. I sort of like when, you, when you're standing there with your like beautiful family and everybody's smiling, like it in some ways in this day and age, the more I'm learning about Facebook and social media and the way it affects people, I'm like, it's it almost feels cruel to send out a picture of you sitting standing, you know, happily with your family. I know what you mean. Well, and it's not like everything, you know, kind of like you found out the week after that. It's not like those smiles are permanent, you know, and it's not like it actually <laughs> no. tells you much about, you know, life as it really is necessarily. No, but, but, but that's the weird thing is like, I feel like I'm sort of contributing to the everybody's happy, everybody's smiling all the time illusion that yeah. is you know out there that that you know I, as i find out over and over again it's just so oppressive for people i know uh, i know what so, you mean yeah so anyway um yes in some ways you know it's the same you know when, when you have you know when you have a good marriage it's the same way like you, you go out with people and like people start swapping stories and you just feel like gosh i, I hope nobody asks me like i'm, <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say you know, that, that we're doing pretty good. Right. Um, so anyway, so Thanksgiving was that thing. And it was funny because I, I talked to a number of my friends who said, hey, heard that Thanksgiving podcast of yours. Wish you did, you know, like listen to it too late. And I thought, man, we got to put that thing out about a week earlier next year. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that'll be like the Grinch that stole Christmas is that every year, the week before Thanksgiving, we'll play the podcast about, you know, negotiating those relationships and those conversations around the Thanksgiving table. Yeah. Really, really good conversation. I thought it feels like that one might be evergreen. Yeah. So we're back. You're back. We're back. And, um, I got a couple things, got a couple of show notes worth sharing with you. Okay. One is probably too soon. We had another contest. We probably shouldn't have contests one after the other, but we did have another contest you know, in which we gave away two copies of uh, of Jonathan um, Merritt's book, uh, Learning to Speak God from Scratch, which is an odd title of a book for us to be given away. Um, 
Yeah, it's an interesting... The reason it was back-to-back like that was just because we had two authors back-to-back. You know, not everyone right. that's on here has their has a book out. No, and, 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 and the reason, you know, the, the funny thing is, like, the thing that interests me about Jonathan was, like, the subtitle of the book is Why Sacred Words Are Vanishing and How We Can Revive Them. And I think, like, part of my whole humanist shtick is trying to not just revive sacred words, but to apply them to, you know, everyday realities, you know, because like that's the essence of being kind of a religious naturalist is believing that nature, that that the world as it is, is worthy of our religious devotion, is in a sense sacred. Um, right. You know, and so, so there was a sense in which there was, there was definitely like, if I think, I feel like Jonathan Merritt and I were like, we were like a Venn diagram and there was a lot of overlap. Um, I think that's right. Yeah. I think that's about right. But anyway, we did have a contest. We did give away two books and they went to Corrine Everett and Ruth Haddon. Nice. And we got some new sponsors to the podcast, some new Patreon pals. They are Stephen Boutreau. And you might say, wait, Stephen Boudreaux has been a sponsor of the podcast for a long time now. And I'm like, I know, but he upped it. He came back around and said, you know what? I, I want to support the show even more. And I got to tell you, that feels a different kind of good when somebody who's been with you goes like, you know what? I've been thinking about this thing and, uh, and I want to double down on this thing. So that was cool, Stephen. It's amazing. I know. And I, I'm telling you, the quality of the people that, that support this show, um, <laughs> I, 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 always, I, I always say this, like, you should support the j- show just so you can be in that company. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's true. There's a lot of really cool people on there. And there are some new people. And I'm, I'm, I may mess this name up, but okay. it's Irina Mayakote. And if I messed up your name, Irina Send me a little pronunciation guide and I will do it again right. <laughs> and 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 the, the 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 last person I'm excited to have with us is Kate O'Malley. And uh Kate, if I mispronounce that name, uh send me a pronunciation guide and I will try to get that one right too. Um but it's it's just really cool to have two new women as part of the team. I'm I'm just very thrilled. So good. Yeah. I do have a movie recommendation. I, I, I've fallen off a little bit on movie recommendations, and um, you do. And a friend, did you yeah, and, did you uh, watch anything over Thanksgiving? Well, that was the thing: is that we always watch movies over Thanksgiving, and this year, uh, at, uh, for Thanksgiving night, like we, you know, we're all there, and I usually, you know. Roman and I are, you know, sort of talking about, we, we, we try really hard to come up with a movie that will work for my parents who are much older, for my daughter who is not into some of the, the, the kind of the more gritty stuff, Marty, who doesn't want anything dystopian. Um, mm-hmm. So I was trying, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to come up with, uh, with one in the middle, but one of, Roman's buddy, one of Roman's buddies was there. Who's a Hollywood guy. And, um, he works on movies. He he had just finished working on that movie uh, about uh, the astronaut um, Neil Armstrong. What was that called? First Man. First Man. Yeah. He's a, yeah. He's actually in that movie. Okay. Um, cool. Cool. Yeah. But, I, I love that movie. But he is an expert in 
old movies. And so he and I were swapping old movie things and we figured out an old movie that he hadn't seen, but had wanted to see. And so we watched it and it's, 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 it's a movie called the Kane mutiny and it stars Humphrey Bogart. It is, it's a fictional Navy drama set in the Pacific during world war two. And it's about a, a, a ship that has a really bad captain and, and the crew of the ship were trying to figure out like, what do we do about this bad captain? He's putting our lives at risk. And he, he, he and, and he, and the guy's crazy throughout the show. There's this push and pull and, and, and things. And it ends up with a, a court martial trial that I think a lot, you know, sort of reminded me of a few good men in some ways. Um, sometimes these old movies, you, you see them and you know where they're going. This movie after the climactic scene, you think you're just going to like wrap it up. And there is a twist at the end that you don't see coming. And that doesn't just change the way you feel about the movie. It changes the way you feel about yourself for how you watched the movie. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it blew us all away. We were all, and, and we ended up talking about it afterwards in a way that you just don't usually talk about 1954 movies after they're done. <laughs> but this was okay. a complex movie and really worth watching. Okay, I'm going to watch so, it. You sold me. I'm, I'm watching okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Good. So I'm just going to leave it there. All right. So that, so that's me talking. What do you got? What do you, what did you bring to, to, to the party? I brought a question that I think uh, you're going to have a good answer to. I, I feel it in my heart. You feel it in your heart. So uh, are you ready? Yeah. Terrific. Go for it. Hey, Bart, I have a question for you. So the other day I'm at a drive through coffee and I thought it would be cute to leave 20 bucks. Told the gal who I know, go ahead and pay for coffees, this, you know, for as long as that 20 bucks will last. So she goes, oh, so pay for the people behind you. And I said, yeah, and more if, if it lasts. And so I went about my day and, you know, it made me smile. It was probably... Uh, not selfless because it was making me feel good. Later on in the day, though, I kind of started wondering how people reacted to it. And I realized again that I was doing a good deed because I wanted to make people smile. But is that really a good deed if I care a lot about how it makes me feel? This is kind of an age old thing that I've contemplated. Is there actually an unselfish act? And if there isn't, are we doing it for the right reasons? Can there even be an unselfish act? And if there is, would that be good? So it's kind of a, I think it, I would like to hear your thoughts on it. That's all. Thanks. So I know that I feel, I mean, I know I feel more, more warmly about someone when I feel like they're doing something that's like purely out of the goodness of their hearts rather than with any self-interest. But is there any good reason I think that part? Yeah, I think there, I mean, it's a, it's a fun question. I mean, mm -hmm. um, whoever asked it, thank them. Um, yeah. I mean, and it, and it goes right to the heart of, I think, the most wonderful truism about our, our human evolution. And that is that it's fun to do good. And it, and it, it reliably rewards us when we feel like we've done something that benefits another person. Um, 
And in some ways, I think the closer that person is to us, the, the more they're in our tribe, the more fun it is to bless their, bless their heart, bless their life. And so, yeah, you go like, well, is it truly altruistic if you enjoy it? And my attitude is that if you enjoy making other people happy, be as selfish as you want. <laughs> okay. Like that, because ultimately goodness is not, I mean, there, there are moments when sacrifice is required, but ultimately goodness is enjoying it when things work well, not just for you, but for the whole group. Mm. It, it, I mean, you've heard that expression, win-win. Right. And I think that, you know, not everything is a win-win situation, but there are many cases in which it's, it's one kind of pleasure to give and it's another kind of pleasure to receive. And both are really both are, are are terrific, but it sounds like you're now. So, so I guess a couple of questions open up in my mind. One is, what how how much giving or altruism do you think falls into this category where it's uh, there is some sort of there is a reward? Well, I mean, for evolutionarily, doing it. you you know you could take the most kind of selfless acts in the world, like like motherhood. Um, you know, when you have a baby. Um, the scientists tell us that when the baby is born, the mother is flooded with oxytocin, um, which is the kind of the love hormone. And she's, you know, that she's sort of biologically wired to bond with that child and to care about that child and to be intensely connected so that when that child is in pain, it's painful for her. And when that child is happy, she's happy. And, and so, you know, we, and you say, well, why would evolution work that way? Like to, how is it how does it benefit the species if the mother cares for her child and like, well, that goes without you know it, it requires no explanation right i'm reading a book right now about wolf packs and it's the same way among wolves like they survive by cooperating they they hunt collectively and stuff like that and so for the wolf concern for the other wolf is also concern it's also protecting the interest of their puppy wolves. Like, because like if the guy next door is healthy, the hunt's going to go better. My kid's going to eat. And so all of a sudden, if you really care about your kid, if you care about your life, your DNA going forward, you're going to, you're going to naturally end up caring about not just your kid, but the other people in the tribe upon whom your kid's survive, survival depends. Mm-hmm. And, and, and therefore, one of the things is, is there is an emotional reward that we feel when we contribute to the, to the health of our tribe. And so you're, you're saying that's that reward, that sense of, uh, oh, that was great. I got a little hit for that. You know, I like that. That's not a bad thing. It's not, and, it, and it's not a sign of corruption. No, of, of no. On the contrary. On the contrary. The, the, you know, what's a, what's a sign of corruption is is when you see somebody in your tribe doing well and you feel jealousy or you feel hatred that, you know, I'm sure there's some natural elements to jealousy too, but in a sense, what we want to do is we want to cultivate the part of us that takes joy in other people's happiness and accomplishments. 
And we want to kind of tamp down the part of us that is, is only, only pleased by our own actions. And, you know, I, I, like, one of the things I always say is like the older you get, the, the more you want to cultivate this vicarious joy, this ability mm-hmm. to take pleasure in other people's accomplishments or in other people's well-being because, there, you know, there comes a time when you're not able to accomplish very much and when your body won't do very much. And so if you can't enjoy somebody else running, somebody else falling in love, somebody else having a child, somebody else getting an advancement in their career, you're going to be miserable because your, your career is over, your body is breaking down and you're close to death. Well, and man, and s- we should do a whole episode on on just that alone, because I feel like that's the. Th- I mean, you and I have been talking about that for a long time, but I feel like I still don't quite understand how to cu- how how to cultivate that or what the process should should look like for that. Uh, like it seems it seems like such a trick, like such a hack. You know what I mean? Well, it, it literally is a hack. And, and it's funny because I just read this amazing book that I will soon be, I'm going to try to get the guy on the show. The guy's name is Johan Hari. And the book oh, is called right, Lost, right. Lost Connections, Uncovering the Real Causes of Depression and the Unexpected Solutions. Yeah, that'd be a killer guest. Oh, it's, and it's such a wonderful book. And it's a book that just plays right into the humanize me thing. Because what he's talking about is he's like, look, you know, we have made this all about the chemical imbalance in your brain. And he said, there is no evidence or very little evidence that, uh, you know, antidepressants have a very powerful effect on very many people. But he said, there's a huge amount of evidence that people are depressed and anxious because they are disconnected from their meaningful values, from meaningful relationships, right. from, from meaningful work. Um, and, uh, but one of his reconnection suggestions is cultivating what he calls sympathetic joy, which is the same thing as what I call sort of vi- vicarious joy. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of depression and anxiety is wrapped up in just like you're only thinking about yourself. I mean, the problem isn't even what you're thinking about yourself. It's that you're just focused on yourself. But but the point is, is that you want to cultivate that part of yourself that takes pleasure in other people's happiness and, and takes double pleasure if you had anything to do with it. And so when our when the call when when the, when the question asker says, you know, does it take away from the coffee giveaway if I enjoyed it? You <laughs> go like you know, she must be a post-Christian because like it, it's, it's, it's only in Christianity that we are sort of taught that, you know, it counts more if you don't enjoy it. Well, this is what I was going to ask you, you know, like there, there is certainly inside me, I can detect uh, the idea that a truly selfless act would be better in some way. And so like, is that just a holdover from from sort of a faith-based upbringing? I think it is because first of all, like a truly selfless act means like you didn't you didn't get any pleasure from it, but you just did it because damn it, it's the right thing to do. Yeah. I suppose that somewhat speaks to your character, but the question is when somebody's doing something that they don't really want to do because it's the quote-unquote right thing to do, that must mean they think there's some extrinsic reward for doing the right thing. Well, certainly in faith-based communities, often the often the reward is the afterlife. Yeah, later on, later on, later. you'll be rewarded for, yeah. for the you know for all these sacrifices and the suffering. The the proverb I like way better is "virtue is its own reward." 
that the joy should be either in the other person's pleasure or if you're just doing the right thing. The idea that like you can go home and look in the mirror and go like, wow, I like that guy. I like that woman. That's a good person in the mirror. Like, you know, that that right, you know, virtue is its own reward. That that that, that character is the gift that we give ourselves. Um, but you say, but you so you're saying that sometimes you do the right thing and then you go home and you pat yourself on the back and you go like, I like <laughs> and you and you go like, well, that seems very and I go like, yeah. Yeah, right. That's but, right. Okay. <laughs> that's and, and, and like that's a good thing. Like you, you, you go like, wait, so you're saying you take pride in being a good person? And I go like, yes. And I'm trying to cultivate in my children to take pride in, because I'll tell you what, if you enjoy being a good person, and if that makes you feel good, you're, you're much more likely to, to, to act that way. But are you saying that it doesn't matter why you do things as long as you do them? Okay. Well, first of all, it matters to who? Like, so like if I'm, I'm telling you, like if you dive into a river and pull out a drowning person mm -hmm. um, because you wanted to spite your mother who denied you swimming lessons and you wanted to show her something like like, you know what? Maybe for you, that was a spiteful act. But mm -hmm. I'm telling you, the person you pull out of the river, they're like, works for me. <laughs> you, know, you know, that was the, that was the absurdity of Christianity. In Christianity, what they taught was, is that if you called a person fool, it was the same as if you murdered them, right? Or if you lusted after a woman, it was the same as if you had committed adultery. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, maybe to God, if you're like, but like to my wife, she's way happier if I just lost after the woman than if I actually, if I commit adultery with her. <laughs> like, like, and, and to that person that I, that I called fool, but didn't murder, they're not going like, yeah, I see the equivalency. They're like, yeah. call me fool all day long, as long as you don't kill me. Okay. But I'm struggling with, this just seems a little bit like. But, but do you see what I'm saying there? I do. Okay, so, so, so what Christianity taught was is that what matters is not what you do, but what you're thinking. Because, of course, that's what God's really watching. He's watching your, your every innermost thought. I mean, it's one of, the things, one of the best things for me about waking up and realizing I didn't believe in God anymore was I was like, wow, I finally have a little mental privacy. Yeah, yeah. But, what, but in reality, what matters is do you feed people? Do you pull them out of rivers? Do, right. do, do you give them sandwiches? Like, do you mm -hmm. treat them nicely? Do you listen to them? And you might go, well, yeah, but when you were listening in your own mind, you were going like, God, this is so boring. I can't believe I'm listening to this story again. <laughs> and I go like, okay, like, you know what? Actually, I give you two credits for that. And, 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 and truly, I do give myself two credits for that. Like, if I'm listening to you sensitively, John, mm -hmm. and I'm enjoying it, which I, I do when I talk to you. Like, I'm still a nice guy for like listening to your, your troubles, but, but if I find you cru cru cruelly boring, mm -hmm. but I know you really, you need me. And so I listen, I, I listen, I, you know, I, I keep nodding and I'm, I, I stay engaged and I ask good questions. Then I go home and I go like, wow, Bart, you are a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, when, when I first moved over uh, from Ireland to America, I think it was a rotary sponsored event where they gave away a wave runner and, but all the proceeds of the raffle for this wave runner would, would go to some great cause. And I thought, man, that's a really interesting 
way to give, you know, because like <laughs> you're kind of in it to get the wave runner, but you are doing good at the same time. So I suppose there are sort of like a mixture of motives there, but well, yeah, um, and well, there are a few different people. Like, well, the woman who donated the wave runner, like I'm giving her, and you're like, yeah, but she's getting she's getting promotional benefit for her, you know, outdoors company. And I'm like, okay, right. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. Or like, or someone starts a nonprofit which does good work, but it also gets them and their friends paid. Now that that can be problematic. It can. Yeah, because I've run enough nonprofits to know that sometimes what happens is is that you start hiring people to get the work done, and then something changes, and you end up sort of you go like, well, we can't. That program's inefficient. You go like, yeah, but we can't cut it. Mary, Mary, you know, Mary runs that program. She's counting on the job, and so mm-hmm. you go like, well, then let's try to get some more kids in that program, even though it's not that good a program, you know. And and sometimes what happens is is that the group of people running the endeavor start to run it not to meet the need that they that they set out to meet but they end up running it to perpetuate the life of the organization right and they're okay so there's some practical practical things there now now let me let me see let me try this thought on for a second to see if it if it's worth anything uh, are you familiar with adam smith's theory of like the invisible hand yeah where they say yeah, like yeah, in, in economics can, that if everybody if everybody pursues their self-interest you end up getting a, a tremendous amount of social good right is that kind of what we're saying well no i mean i mean that that's what that's what jordan peterson's saying too when he's like hey, you know these dominance hierarchies actually you know they're good things and everybody's everybody's trying to you know get to the top and that's why how you get great scientific advances and you don't want to disincentivize people and stuff like that and i mean i'm sure there's truth in those theories right and i'm not saying that this is an but i'm saying this is sort of like a personal version of that economic theory which is like even if that caller wanted to pay for that coffee directly because she wanted to see the faces of the people who received it and then get that little reward for it as though by an invisible hand she did the good of buying those people coffee right and and what i'm going to say is is that as long as you go deep to the bone in understanding your self-interest because when when I'm in a in a classic sort of when I'm on a university campus and I feel like the kids are being sold this bill of goods that says that the way to be happy and successful is to maximize their earnings and to make the most money and and amass the most power and to buy the most material goods and like you know sort of line their line their nests and you go like oh yeah that's uh, they're teaching those kids to be selfish and that's the problem and I'm like no the problem is is that they're teaching them to be selfish in an uninformed way. Those things will not actually make them happy. Like, I don't mind the kid pursuing his self-interest, but will somebody please tell the kid that ultimately his well-being and happiness is wrapped up in making other people happy? Mm-hmm. Is wrapped up in, 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 in causing the tribe to thrive? You go, like, well, if that were true, than all the people that are making the most money and had the most power and and wielded the most influence, those people wouldn't be the happiest people on earth. And the answer is they're not the happiest people on earth. 
you know, you know, you go back to the Harvard study. Who are the happiest people? The people with the best relationships. Now, how did they get those relationships? By like fucking over everybody to get the most of everything for themselves? No, they got those relationships by seeking the benefit of other people, for benefits for other people. And, 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 you know, yeah, they needed to make enough money to eat and keep a roof over their head and keep their stuff together. You go like, well, why? Well, that's selfish. You go like, no, man, that's like, if I'm a good counselor of people and their problems, I need to, I need to make enough money to live because if I starve to death, everybody will be denied of my good counsel. If I'm a good plumber, I need to charge enough money so that I can keep eating because otherwise, how is everybody going to get the benefit of my good plumbing? But so, the, but there's a difference between taking care of yourself so that you can continue to engage in behavior that benefits everybody and and taking care of yourself as an end unto itself. Right, right. And what I'm saying is, is that taking care of yourself as an end unto itself is actually counterintuitively bad for you. So yeah, yeah. It, it, paradoxically, selfishness is just, it's just uninformed. Here, here's, the, here's the thing you, you, the, the, the people ought to worry about. It ought to worry you when you have an opportunity to be helpful to somebody and you pass it up um, because, because, because it wouldn't be any fun. Or when you do something and it benefits somebody else and it doesn't give you a, it doesn't give you a boost. Because then, then, it's like, then it's almost like if you have leprosy and you touch something that's, that's very sharp or very hot and you don't feel it. You, you, you know, in, in that case, you don't go like, oh, this is great. I have no more nerve sensitivity. So I can, you go like, oh, now I'm in real trouble. Those, that nerve sensitivity is what helped me to stay away from dangerous stuff that could, that could tear me up. Well, in the same way, when you stop taking joy in other people's happiness, oh man, you may starve to death emotionally. You yeah. may starve to yeah. death. No, this makes a lot of sense to me. I, you know, it's just that I, I think that I guess humans have a propensity to abuse most, you know, most or many ideas. But if you have the right ethical software running, this is not a, this is not a bad insight. That actually, a lot of things you could you could do at least partly because it really makes you feel good to do them, and you're actually doing a lot of good in the process. And what's weird is keep 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 the equation going. It's it's an infinite loop. So you go like. I'm going to do this thing for this other person because that's going to make me feel good. And if it makes me feel good, one of the benefits of that is I will be more prone to do good things for other people, so, which would be good for them. And that'll make me feel good, which would be good for me, which will make me want to do more for other people. And that'll be good for them. And you go like, you go like, well, I, I can't get behind this motive. Like, like, am I doing it for myself or am I doing it for somebody else? And I go like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you are. And, and you should celebrate that. Okay. You, you should celebrate That's that. a direct and, and, answer. And, and so, so I'm so happy that that one, like, like I, that our, our, our caller, like I, I, I can picture her sitting in the parking lot, sort of gleefully looking at people, you know, sort of getting their secret Santa gift, mm -hmm. you know, their coffee and Honestly, it makes me happy to think of her being happy, watching them be happy. There you go. Yeah, that's good stuff. And I'll bet you, and I'll bet you the, I'll bet you the woman she gave the twenty-two who actually was dispensing the coffee. I bet she, she was, she felt honored or privileged to be able to be part of 
part of the, the, the part of the uh, process. Oh, and I bet her job just felt that much better that morning. And she probably went home and talked to her husband and said, I had this cool thing happen to me at work. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's come on. There's something beautiful about all this no, stuff. No, it is. It's way. good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. This was a good, <laughs> this is a good, good conversation. Yeah. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week on Humanize Me. For more on BART, go to bartcampolo.org. If you like this podcast, please consider supporting it every month and get extra content for it. Go to patreon.com slash humanize me. Our patrons do make the show happen. Follow us at humanize me pod on Twitter and humanize me podcast on Instagram. You can also join other listeners on our private Facebook group. Just search humanize me on Facebook. To ask your own question on the show, leave it as a voicemail at 424-291-2092. That's 424-291-2092. And finally, please review us on iTunes. It really helps. Catch you next week. Humanize Me is a production of Jux Media. You could be larger than life. You could